We are getting to the real part of the NFL schedule, and that is Chris Long's theory, and it's a great one, so we're going to bring him in here shortly. The Ryan Rosillo Podcast, our Monday recap of another week in the NFL. We're going to hit it all. I'll tease it up. I also just got back from Alabama, so was there for another LSU-Bama game. This one went a little different than the last eight or so, seven or so. Uh, but first, before we do that, I want to thank our good friends at State Farm, our presenting sponsor. Today's episode of The Ryan Rosillo Show is brought to you by State Farm. If you're fumbling with insurance, State Farm agents are here to help because with over 19,000 agents, they're local to you and available to help whether you connect in person by phone or through the State Farm mobile app. Agents are here to help. So go with the one that has coverage and agents you can count on, State Farm. Talk to an agent today. So let's get long going here using our Google Assistant. Hey, Google, call Chris Long. Calling Chris Long, mobile. Hello? <laughs> that's, Who is that's, this? That's perfect. Chris, it's your buddy, Rye. We're gonna oh, talk. We got a po- we got a podcast. Yeah, that's right. We got to talk. We got to talk shop here. And to run through today's itinerary, we have headlines. Yours is bigger picture. Mine's on the Browns. The plane rides. We're gonna do a little Minnesota, a little Dallas. The LSU stuff from out in the road in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Rams dead. Surprise Steelers. Irresponsible question of the week. And a new thing called confessionals, where mine may. Bump some people out, and then we'll end it with a history lesson on a new book that I'm reading. All right, so Chris, you go first. Give me your first headline. My headline's a little uh, unconventional. I think this is the day that the NFL took the lead over college football for me from a fandom experience, and I've always liked college football more because of the volume, the unpredictability, and just the fact that you can turn on your TV at noon and you don't have to stop watching till 1 a.m., as I did Saturday night watching, I think it was San Jose State, I shouldn't be watching that game, but I am. Uh, Virginia got the win, but Sunday was like a really cool day yesterday. Hadn't seen a day like this. You know, it's after Halloween. As players, we always say, this is when kind of football really starts, and the season has absolutely started. Uh, You know, I'll start Sunday night and then rewind. Uh, It's daylight savings football. You see Aaron Rodgers with sideways sleet and and flurries airing it out in Green Bay. in a in a game with playoff implications, you're you're toggling back and forth between watching the Rams demise in a one score football game that's just chaos in Pittsburgh uh, in a great atmosphere. And the moment though that I knew this shit was crazy was when I'm watching Ryan Tannehill uh, engineer his third game winning drive of the season in about three games, uh, which is second in the league by the way behind Russ and and uh, Josh Allen. And I'm looking on the other TV. I'm trying to keep up with everything. My ADD can't handle it. And I've got Detroit with a backup quarterback driving to tie a ball game with with Chicago. Uh, if you'd have told me that in September, I would have never believed it. You got a second and goal for Cleveland uh, under two minutes on the other TV going in to try to beat the the Bills. Well, it was more of a contest of who, who wanted to lose it. Uh, and the Jets are in a one-score game, if you care about that. The Bucks are in a one-score game. It's all simultaneous. Like, you can't beat it. There's no other situation, uh, and this is why the NFL is king, where every game, it's like this this 
grip of death that pulls the games back closer and and you're in these one score ball games and it's just the the volume and the stimulation you can't beat it and then the Sunday night game's great too so this is when football gets real uh I've experienced as a fan now for the first time I'm totally down with November football it was fun as a player it's fun as a fan you know, you're figuring out who teams are. Philly looks like they're improving. Minshew mania is over. Indy's fading because of injuries. Um, and and Baltimore kicker. is, is he? Yeah. Well, he he also didn't throw three picks yesterday. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, we're talking specific kicks that you'd expect yeah. him to make here. I mean, no doubt about it. And he's in, and, and for a team like Indy, who's, who, who's won a lot of one score games, he's missed a couple big kicks. Uh, so, you know, Detroit's fading. Baltimore's even more legit than we thought. This is fun, man. Like I've <laughs> I, I was really cool with retirement, but really enjoying watching Sunday football, which I was kind of like, ah, I got to do this for a living. I don't enjoy it as much Saturday. I kind of get it now. Yeah, yesterday really was one of those moments. And the, and the Chiefs field goal not working out, uh, the goal line stuff, I'm going to get to Cleveland here a little bit. I'm not going to just rehash everything that you you said there, but it's always this thing about the sport and you know why I like it, but it also can be incredibly frustrating because unless a quarterback is hurt, or maybe if it's like a real brand name franchise type NFL defensive player, um, you know, which which are there ten of those guys that that are just part of the general consciousness. You can have like four or five injuries that are huge injuries that no one talks about, and then people will be like, "Well, what's wrong with this team?" And if the quarterback and their best defensive player is still healthy and playing, then then it's it's almost like overlooked. We're like, no, no, this team has like no offensive line depth or this team's down three guys in the secondary. And now you're starting to see this second part of the season where the injuries take their toll in a way that I don't know that we always do a great job from the outside of, of understanding. I mean, I don't expect every single person that's in the business to be memorizing everybody's injury report, but it'll happen sometimes on those primetime games. You're like, wait a minute, they're missing like five guys right now. And if it's not the quarterback, or if it's not the f- most famous, you know, receiver, running back, or say defensive lineman, um, it can be really overlooked. And there can be teams that it's just simple as, yeah, we have too many injuries. It's week ten. It's yeah, week you eleven. Get, you get hooked in. Yeah, you get hooked in. You get hooked into the, the 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 headline, which is, you know, I'm looking at a Pittsburgh game, and I I've been guilty of this, not paying enough attention and giving Pittsburgh enough respect this year. You look at it on the surface, the Rams have gotten right offensively lately. They're going up there. Perfect example. This is a must win for them, and we'll get to that in a bit. Like, they don't win this game. They're in trouble, which they are now on Monday morning in November here. Uh, but you look at that, you're like, how are the, How do we expect the Rams to win this game? The matchup up front is terrible, and they're missing a couple guys. They, they lose the center and the right tackle. Like, this stuff matters, and we can say what we want about golf, but there's countless examples around the league right now where, as you mentioned, these supporting roles are coming down with injuries and it's changing uh, who these teams are and the styles of play differ in November and December. Some, some teams don't have styles that play in September. Some teams don't have styles that play later in the year. My headlines, the Browns, they get their first home win and I'm not telling you it was beautiful. And if you only watched the game on Twitter, you would have thought they were down a hundred to nothing. Freddie kitchens has entered the, I'm not going to call it the transfer portal, we should kind of come to come up with something else. He's in the portal. <laughs> yeah, he's in the portal. We need to come up with a title of what it is. It, what is the the, the um, like the doubt portal, or yeah, just the, just some the, sort of portal where he could be up in a tree stand before the end of the year. Yeah, but it's it's got to be. It happened with Gruden. It's happened with other people. It's happening with Jason Garrett. Oh, it happened the, with the, the Cowboys meme, again. The meme portal. The meme portal. 
I don't even know if it's the meme poor, but it's just everybody is on the same page and we're going to crush you. And look, I'm guilty of it with Freddie Kitchens, too. I, I made my Cabela's joke when he was in the hoodie last week. So I'm not saying that I'm immune to it. But the way it played out, you would have thought Cleveland was losing to 100, you know, 100 and nothing to, to a, a group of five team. And it's a Bills team that, let's face it, if you're a Bills fan, even you probably deep down were like, how good is this team going to be? They're having problems now with a run defense has been going on for a few weeks. But the Browns get a win where if you look at who they've been this season, it's been a huge disappointment, maybe the biggest disappointment of any NFL team based just on the hype that they embraced. They weren't afraid of it. I'm not telling you that they were supposed to be afraid of it. Uh, no, I did yeah. not have them in the playoffs, but, you know, I just it was too soon for me. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I think when I, I thought about doing a segment on my show where we looked at the teams that were closer than you think. And it's a little early in the season for that, so I'm learning to save that segment for when it actually matters. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens when you're the EP, man. You know, like, uh, but I'm looking at the Browns, and I'm saying this is a team that fairly soon can be competitive. They already are in spots. Um, you know, I did a little thing last week where we talked about how they, they haven't quite settled into how, how to use their personnel I think that's been changing all year long. Um, Warren Sharp talked about success rate in 12 versus 11, and they've been so 11 dominant. Uh, Kitchens played with the pony personnel a lot yesterday. With Hunt coming back, they were in in the pony personnel for 28 out of 65 snaps. Like That's way more than they'd been in 20 or 21 on the year. The, the league average is under 10%, but they did that really well. You know, Chubb ran for almost all of his 116 yards with Hunt on the field. So this is an evolving situation. And last week I'm saying, okay, um, I'm going to wait, uh, or I'm not going to wait, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the determination. I think Kitchen should go before the end of the year. But he has an opportunity here now with a full deck no excuses. You've got another really good weapon in the backfield to show some progress through the year. And I do think that last year, what they had with Greg Williams late in the year was discipline. The pre-snap stuff was down. They knew where you stood on stuff. You know, they took some of the ownership away from the players. And what they've done this year, they've trended more towards acquiring talent and renting out guys and not necessarily focusing on the discipline on the team and asking uh, Baker to do too much. That's the Browns. I think they're closer than people think, but they, I still think they're going to actually have to blow it up at the end of the year. I'll give Kitchens the chance to progress offensively, but I think there's going to be a coaching change at some point. Baker's shown you what he can do in the right situations. They're closer than you think. they got nice pieces on defense, but the Browns are dead, man. I mean, like, they're, they're not a team that's going to make a run. They're living off of one close, close loss to the Pats, which is par for the course for them, even in bad years. That didn't they feel close. Played. I don't know. I, I You really feel like I, watching that game? It felt close to me. It felt close to me because Tom wasn't on. And when Tom wasn't on and New England needed a, a, a touchdown, I think it was on a, on a punt block um, to win that game. And, and they ran the ball in New England. And Josh had some moments, especially coming out of the half. But the Bills are done. They're scoring. Even with the improvements they made the second half of last year and into this year in spurts, like they're scoring 18 points a game. Like over the past few years, if you look at 18 to 19 points a game, I read an article where, you know, the average is six victories for teams that are scoring at that click. They're living off one close loss. I got to give. Uh, oh, you're talking about the White. Bills close loss to New England. Yeah. I thought oh, you yeah. said the Browns. I'm talking, no, I'm talking like, about the Bills close about? loss. Okay. No, but the Bills, the Bills on the other side of it, you know, I think this is more about it's not that great a win. I know we're, we're looking at it and saying like, hey, big win for the Browns. Like maybe they're trending the right way. I'll say give them a chance with a full deck, but the Bills, 
I don't believe in them. When you're a team that can't score and stop the run, uh, the, that's not a good combination into November and December. But I will give uh, Tredavious White props. He, he shadowed Beckham all day. He's been a really bright spot for them. I like watching him. He playing through the hands in the end zone on Beckham. There's some guys on that Buffalo team who don't get enough attention, and I'm certainly not disrespecting them because that's just kind of how they're built right now. Yeah, and when you look at Cleveland, they've played the toughest schedule in the NFL right now. It, it's through this week, and then the rest of the way, it's the 31st toughest. So second easiest is the better way yeah. to go ahead and say that. But it's not like all of a sudden I think the Browns are good. I'm not telling you to stop making Freddie Kitchens jokes. I'm not telling you that the offensive <laughs> line is good um, and the goal line stand that was just ridiculous and everybody saying the only reason they got any points out of all those goal line stands is because of a, a false start where they got backed up and had to go ahead and kick it. But it's a win. That was a comical. Team. Right, right. But at least they do, they look, do. he does walk his way into some of these jokes. Yeah, right. They were only penalized four times. They threw it to Odell Moore, and they got the Chubb and Hunt thing going using both of they those guys. They got the Chubb. So, they got you know. the Chubb thing going. And 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 to your – listen, they're, they're going to play a lot worse teams now. The one thing they haven't done well this year, and they did it yesterday, is they won close close one-score ball games at a high click the second half of the year last year. I think they were 3-1. and one. They were 0-3 to this point, I think, before they, they pulled that win out. And I felt like yesterday was more of a – and it was ironic because these are traditionally the kind of – the fan bases that have suffered the most, it was like, no, I, I, I don't want to win this game. Do you want to win this game? Do you want to win this game? It was like a tug of war. Like, no, no, I'd rather lose. Like that was what this game was more about to me than, hey, the Browns are getting right. And I'm not, I'm certainly not saying you're, you're making that determination. No, and if you look at some of the stuff today and trying to figure out who's what in the AFC, uh, and this has been kind of a theme all season long here with these standings, but Pats, Ravens, one and two. Houston's at three. Kansas City's at four, even with that loss. Buffalo's still a playoff team, technically, here. And Pittsburgh's actually in, which which sounds nuts. I'm not even telling you, like, Cleveland at three and six. Look out, they're dangerous. They're just playing easier teams the rest of the way mm -hmm. after playing the toughest schedule of everybody else. And if Baker is able to kind of have this moment on the sideline with Freddie Kitchens where it looks like they're actually enjoying themselves, that I actually saw that as a positive. But, well, all right. It does. It, it bodes well for the future. We'll see what happens. All right, keep it moving here. The Sunday nighter, Dallas and Minnesota, two quarterbacks that no matter what happened, one was going to be like, I don't know about this guy, <laughs> versus yeah. um, Kirk Cousins, who got the win. He got the win in a primetime game. He got the win against a team with a winning record. It's it's Minnesota's first win against another team with a winning record, uh, I think, away from home. Like, the numbers on that were kind of crazy when you looked Insane. at all that stuff. Right. Just that you're like, wait a minute, how long has Minnesota gone without this? And Cousins was awesome. And that's without Thielen. They're missing a couple other guys. But really what this comes down to, Chris, is that Dallas with the football late in this game, a couple options there after Dak had been incredible on these long drives. He was unbelievable on these third and longs. I mean, like a special kind of game from Dak converting all yeah. of these third and longs. His overall numbers are 28 of 46 for 397, three touchdowns and a pick. Kirk was really good, uh, didn't have to throw it as much because Dalvin Cook, who now is the league's leading rusher, just nine yards away from 1,000, 10 games in, 10 touchdowns. He's been everything we thought he would be. And yet Dallas went to Zeke, and then it turns into Zeke, who didn't have a good game. It, it becomes a Monday, and because it's Dallas, it's always a little bit extra, but Dallas's loss becomes a Monday morning play-calling expert debate show. Well, I think a few things. I think I think we're warranted in talking about the coaching last night in Dallas uh, for sure. Listen, the game came down to them getting tight in the red zone. Uh, they've been pitching the ball all over the yard. Dak had a brilliant game. If he plays like that, he is a top five quarterback if he plays like that. That's a top five quarterback uh, performance. Great on the run, hitting Cooper on the sideline, the Gallup touchdown. 
Uh, he made a lot of great throws and, you know, outplayed Kirk. The irony here is that Kirk got the primetime win and played just fine. I mean, 220 through the air, two touchdowns, really good in the low red. That was a big deal. Had some really nice throws down low, which is really tough. He, I mean, the field shrinks. He is one of your guys. That I think you more consistently. I'm not saying you're saying he's the number one thrower of the football because no one's taking that from Mahomes. But no, nah, but we got to stop he, shitting on him. I mean, I, no, but I, you I had a guy. Yeah, you have throws with Cousins that you're impressed every week with him. Like beyond other I guys, am. I've noticed. Yeah, I am, and I and I talk. You know, when I talked to Malcolm Jenkins, he came on that Thursday night show I'm doing uh, with Amazon, and he he said it on air. He's like, I am really impressed with cousins. And I think he's a really good player. I think there's a fan misconception. If you spend time on Twitter, um, that you're going to pile on certain people and Kirk's become, you know, he's in that meme portal. Um, all right. From it's the a meme player portal. standpoint, yeah. you know, it's, it's that portal where, you know, it's just low hanging fruit and you're going to go at cousins. And there are some numbers that show, which, which I'll talk about later. Um, I, you know, I was going to hit it this week on my deal was like, He's been better in prime time than people think. But, listen, he hasn't gotten the win. You mentioned the the road record for them. I think it was since 16. They still haven't won a game outside against a team with winning record on the road. Uh, but last night they got that big win against Dallas. And, and listen, even if Dak outplayed him, Dak is a damn good quarterback and Dallas is a good team. Although Dallas has only beaten one team with a winning uh, record. And Orlovsky was on there this morning. He was like, hey, listen, Tampa, Cleveland, Atlanta have all beat more teams with winning records. I would disagree, though, that you would think Tampa, Cleveland, or Atlanta could make a real run at this thing in January. That's the only problem I have with that point because I do think Dallas is just as talented as, say, in New England, but the coaching is what's holding them back. I mean, you put that team with Bill Belichick um, last night, they're winning that ball game. The slow starts, the coaching at the end, the punt return thing. I talked to a special teams coach uh, in the NFL. I love who this. said a lot of co- – a lot of coaches are more trending towards being conservative in situations like that, calling for the fair catch. But like a New England, because they're so deep on the back third of their team, are really good on special teams. They might look at it as a weapon. That picture was pretty damning in looking at the alley that Tavon had to run up the sideline with about 30 seconds to go. So there were a lot of coaching blunders. Uh, you know, the Cowboys have made trades for Bennett, Quinn. Lawrence plays his ass off. I'm glad they were talking about him last night. Uh, they got something out of Lee. Minnesota defense, not going to be happy with last night, but Kendrick's played well. And Dallas has got an easy schedule, as we, as we mentioned. I still think they're a good football team, but to this point, uh, this was a big opportunity that they squandered, and they let the Eagles back in it. And Kirk didn't have to be spectacular, as you mentioned. I mean, you know, Cook had like 90 yards receiving on screens, but I'm not here to shit on Kirk. He won what he did what you asked him to do. He won, and it wasn't a low-scoring game a shootout with the Cowboys on are the Are you road. talking to me directly, or are you talking to just the, the I'm talking to week? people. There's yeah, because I'm the, not afraid of of pointing out that I don't think Cousins is all that, but uh, he got that no, win. No, I don't think yeah. – yeah. where, where is he Where is he in the NFL? I mean, without, like, pulling out – he's not a top five quarterback by any means. No, he's not top ten. But he's not a bottom half quarterback. No, that's fine. I, no, We're I, looking I don't at think, Jared yeah. – We're looking at Jared Goff in the other game. I'd take Cousins over Jared Goff in a heartbeat, and that's not because of the – that's not because of the recent developments. That's just, you know, it's kind of what I believe. Who would you rather have, Cousins or Stafford? Probably Stafford. I've always liked Stafford, and Stafford has really played well this year. It's just a shame they can't ever put it all together. Yeah, they're a mess right now, um, and he's hurt bad. Like, people are going, this dude, you don't understand how, st- how tough Stafford is, and it's this back injury that 
they're like, he just, it's one of those things you can't play through it. Who would you rather have, Cousins or Rosen? Cousins, bro. And I'm not trying to diss my dog, Rosen. Rosen needs to get a damn chance somewhere that's not, you know, like, that's not a crumbling building. Uh, another thing that stood out to me last night was the post game. They asked, uh, they asked Cook, the reporter was like, what does it feel like to be on the same field with Zeke? I'm like, oh my right God. now, right now he's the best in the league, bro. And Zeke, he's on my fantasy team. Not that anybody gives a shit. I, I sat, I, I started f- four guys but who were on a bye yesterday. Tell us more though. Did you have a flex that you, well, were, you were like on the fence about? I started four guys on a bye yesterday. Oh, that's, that's not good. good. Um, but think Zeke. How, think how rested they'll be the rest of the way though. They, lo- they load the box last night and force Cousins to beat you. And Cousins beat you. I mean, he did enough to win. But the point is, Cook Cook is the best back in the league right now from a productive production standpoint, and I never would have guessed it coming in the league this year. Okay, can I ask you something, though, on the play call thing? Because I think the one that has everybody really upset is the third and two before the fourth and five throw where um, – I'm going to go pull this up again. So they're third and two at the Minnesota 11, and it's a three-yard loss to the left side. and you know, it, it, it just like, oh, I can't believe you're running Zeke. Can't believe you're running Zeke. Look what Dak has done all night. And maybe everybody's right about that, okay? Dude, I'm not even saying like everybody's wrong and I'm disagreeing here. But the center gets destroyed. As soon as the ball is snapped, that play has no chance. And it's like, is it Kellen Moore? Is it Garrett? Is it those guys going away from Dak? Or is everybody just playing the results? And I'm wondering if you as a player, like, did you feel like you had a better sense of what a team should or shouldn't be doing because you were out there even more so than the coaches? Or are you doing the thing that everybody kind of does, and it's like if the play worked, it was great. If the play doesn't work, then the coach is an idiot. Because I bet you guys no, are probably I, guilty of that too as players. Probably so, but I'm just telling you, I, I watched Dak pitch the ball around the yard last night like he was Joe Montana for 60 minutes, and then you're inside two minutes, and time is of the essence here. And they're just letting – because, by the way, they're not using their timeouts so they can get that one more possession – so they're running the ball. They're slow to the line. They're wasting time. They get bailed out by a Minnesota timeout because they're getting ready to run their fourth down play. They don't have another play. Like, have another play, get to the line and run it. I would have much rather liked to have seen Dak with a run-pass option. I mean, in the red zone, that's what mobile quarterbacks do is, is they really throw a wrinkle in there. As, as rushers, you always have to be cognizant of running quarterbacks in the red zone because – of the lanes, the field shrinks, you know, six yards will kill you. That's like, I'd much rather stop the run in those situations than I would have to rush Dak uh, and and be cognizant of the rush lanes and get pressure on him. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, uh, good breakdown there. Cause I also think there's something that's happening and it happens all the time is that guys get obsessed with leaving no time on the clock. And it's like, you know what? Why don't you just run your offense? And just I know weird, I know weird stuff happens, but you know, another thing that I've, I've seen too, with the, Number of PIs that are called now, like what's funnier than when a team's trying to waste time and then they get a PI in the red zone at the end of the game and they get a reset of the downs. And it's like, you know what? Maybe it would have been nice to not waste 45 seconds here because now we'd have a little bit more flexibility with what we want to do. I think pass interference is called so much now that that would make me want to be like, look, I'm just going to play and I'm not going to worry about the clock here as much as making sure this is a solid possession. It's the right plays here. Let's not have the clock be the determining factor of like it's the end of the world if we're kicking it off to them with 20 seconds left. Yes, I know weird stuff happens, but it's likely that they're not going to score with 20 seconds left. 
And yet coaches, I think, get more obsessed with clock than the actual quality of play. And then also not not every situation, it's like analytics applying them, and I'm always out of my depth talking analytics, but you know, there you have to control for like who it is. And 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 Green Bay, you know, if you're giving Aaron Rodgers 45 more seconds or Russell Wilson 45 more seconds, like, yeah, be fucking very afraid. But, you know, and I've pumped Kirk Cousins up. They did a majority of their work on the ground, and he did what he had to do to win the game through the air. But giving him the ball back, by the way, you'd presumably be up three. That's different than being up two. That would really scare me. You at least have a chance if in the unlikely scenario that Kirk engineers a two-minute drill in under a minute um, for a long field goal, you'd still have overtime. And if you're up two, then it gets a little scary. So I think coaches have to weigh who's waiting on the other sideline and also the time. We're going to get to best and worst plane rides here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends at DraftKings, our friends over at DraftKings. These guys get it. They've launched an online sports book created by sports fans for sports fans. And here's real good news. If you live in Pennsylvania, it's now available for you in your state. And trust me, DraftKings is hard at work bringing their sportsbook app, which happens to be America's top-rated sportsbook app, Everywhere. The DraftKings Sportsbook app has it all. Over-unders, player props, in-game betting, and special odds boost every day for the biggest games. This isn't some offshore operation like the other gambling sites. It's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S. so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has brought their expertise to legal sports betting. Get in on the action wherever Whenever in the Keystone State, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code RUSSILLO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. When you sign up for limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code RUSSILLO to get a deposit bonus up to $500. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You ready for plane rides? I might have to call that that one eight hundred gambling thing because <laughs> I bet I bet Rams money line. Let's let's talk about the worst plane ride. Can I start with that one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, it was the Rams because uh, that thing is over now. You weren't on um, it, right? You weren't on that plane. I I was not on the pl- I was not on that plane ride, but I had a tough drive home from the office um, after I realized that I had made a bet that. I had no business making because of all the reasons we discussed earlier with the matchups, but the Rams took an L on the road. You know, you score three points offensively. We are literally seeing the Rams transition into being a defensive football team, which is okay if you're at least adept offensively, but your run game's all over the place. Jared Goff's under siege. Yeah, that was a rough one. They're kind of out of it from a wild card standpoint. I mean, maybe they make a run. I could be wrong. But I just think that was one they had to have. And it's a long, long flight. Yeah, the way the top seeds are now in the NFC, San Francisco's your one seed, Green Bay, then New Orleans, Dallas, Seattle, Minnesota. But Minnesota's a game up in the loss column and two wins up um, over the Rams. So the Rams are sitting there at seven. And I mean, this is where the depth of the NFC kicks in. You're like the Rams, the Eagles, the Panthers. Those teams are out. The comeback Bears, the never quit Bears. Let's not, kind of, let's not let's not will this to happen. <laughs> the Bears seriously are are someone that you're dating that doesn't like you and you like them, but they <laughs> they call you every now and then. They sort of like 
you know, maybe a late night call and you're like, oh my gosh, did you call last night? Are you thinking about me? Be like, no, I was trying to order a pizza. Sorry, dude. Your name's Pete. Like, hey, like, hey, you, 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 are you up? Like, hey, are you up? Did you see that throw I just made in the corner of the end zone? Like second half, I'm starting to play a little bit better. I just feel bad for Bears fans because I see it every weekend where they're like, we suck. And I'm thinking about Big Cat right now too. I mean, he does it every week, but there's more than more guys than just him where you're like, wait a minute, you know. Yeah, but imagine not being rich, like being Big Cat and not being rich and having to squander, you know, bet on your favorite team every week, buy tickets to go to the game. Did you just call Big Cat rich? What just happened? I think he's there? rich. I think he's rich. Rich in friendship that's a, that's or are we talking good, fiscal? No, I, I think I think Big Cat's like fiscally, I think he's doing pretty good. This Not is weird. This is a weird topic. This wasn't in the rundown. Is Big Cat rich? <laughs> Way Do you think in. he's richer than I am? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to touch this. I, <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen the financials, but I do know that you have a really sweet pad in Manhattan Beach. Not to dox you. I think everybody knows that, right? I think it's pretty everybody's pretty well aware. Really yeah. nice restoration hardware furniture. I talk about that all the time. It's really nicely decorated. I haven't been to Big Cat's pad. He never invited me. But I do think he's probably pretty wealthy. We could we could take this to a poll. Back on topic though, the Rams still have to play <laughs> that gets so your weird. The Rams still have to play your um, beautiful ex-girlfriend who who's wildly inconsistent in the Bears. Uh, the Ravens, they still have the Cardinals at the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Niners, and then the Cardinals again. The Rams are, it's, it's over, man. And I hate, I hate that. Because we'll get to that in a little bit. The ramifications are, they go further than just this season. Well, they spend money, um, I, I would argue, at times irresponsibly. And... You know, they have so much money tied up into Cooks, who's always overrated. Uh, Gurley, who is not overrated, but should have never gotten that contract. If you want to tell me that Goff deserves that money because they like the way he carries himself and that they had kind of the money sitting around with the way the cap works, it was like, we might as well just spend it now and kind of front load this thing with him. And then Donald, you know, it doesn't, like Donald's amazing, but then you add Jalen Ramsey to this whole thing. It's like, so what are you going to do? You're going to have those five guys under massive numbers. And Ramsey said all the right things. We'll see if that plays itself out in the next offseason. But it's an offensive line that traded for Austin Corbett at one point, where the Browns were like, the Browns need offensive line help, and it didn't work out in Cleveland. And, you know, was it Noteboom, the guy who got hurt? So I. I look at them and go, you know, this is this is a weird thing where overnight it can feel like in the beginning of the year they were three and zero and no one liked them because the expectation was this is a Super Bowl winning team, right? Like there was, yep, they were being held to a higher standard than just, hey, cool, our team is three and zero. But I think everybody kind of collectively, especially being out here in Los Angeles, where it was like, oh man, everybody's just kind of eh, about this Rams team. And guess what? Now they're five and four, and everybody was kind of right. And yes, the Steelers are are sneaky better than anyone of us would have ever thought after some of their down moments this year and having to watch the early Mason Rudolph thing. But uh, the Rams are going to have to get real creative here trying to keep all of those guys at that number. And yeah. even though I like the front office, I really like McVay a lot, I'm just a little surprised when you add up the money to their top guys, you go, did you did you think this was going to be a good plan? Because it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, and maybe I'm just playing the result. But uh, I don't think I am. No, I, I don't think you are. Um, and we could just do this now since plane ride kind of, we stumbled onto it. This game, 
this game, you know, kind of killed one team and and gave one team life. And as you mentioned, Pittsburgh's in it. And like all Pittsburgh has done. Yeah. All all Pittsburgh has done since that 33 loss, the Ben IR thing, Minka Fitzpatrick, and we all stuck up our nose at that trade because we're like, well, you guys are going to suck, so you're giving him a great draft pick. He's playing that draft pick into a much less attractive spot for the Dolphins. I uh, See, I didn't hate uh, that because I was like, if you just think Minka's this good and you have two years of control, like what's wrong with that? Well, but listen, there's nothing, there's he's nothing been wrong. He's unbelievable, turns, by the way. It turns out that they fleeced the Dolphins because – he is a DPOY candidate, and I'm looking at what he's done. I think everybody's seen it by now. You know, five picks, bunch of tackles. Um, you know, they're five and two. The explosive plays have gone way down. In the first couple of weeks, they had they had given up 21. They've given up 13 since he's been there in seven games. And by the way, that tied into last night. The Rams, who were this juggernaut, how do you go from that Kansas City Chiefs game last year to what you saw last night where they got zero explosive plays and the Steelers with Mason Rudolph have two. And the Steelers are like, they're like a farm for unheralded, young, talented receivers. These guys are making plays left and right. And and teams are going to be afraid to play the Steelers. I mean, if they can manage the quarterback situation, get things in third manageable, um, all they've done since all that happened was they had a two-point loss to Seattle, four-point loss to San Francisco, three-point loss to somebody else. They beat the Chargers, they beat the Rams and the Colts. So they're losing some close ball games um, and and to good teams. And they're reeling off a couple wins here that don't look so bad. And I know the Colts had a backup quarterback. Chargers are who they are. But these wins are hard to come by. And Tomlin's done a really good job. This might be his best job he's done yet. In the, in the preseason or in, in the offseason, they addressed the middle of field issues in the draft. They got Barron for sub packages. They improved the back end. And the edge rush has been really good because the time is better for them. And uh, and Watts obviously turned into a hell of a player in his own right. Everybody talks about J.J., understandably. But, but T.J. is a different type of player, and he has been fun to watch. And Bud Dupree is a guy I like a lot who's finally coming around yeah, statistically. Definitely. So, yeah. so people can see now and just get off him a little bit and see that he does a lot to disrupt football games without doing the big sack numbers. But this year, he's got a shot at double digits. And and if you looked at like some of those sacks last night, TJ had one. Everybody's looking at TJ. Look at what Bud Dupree did to Whitworth. I mean, he was putting that helmet down, and he was moving people out of the club. And, and again, that pass rush with the Rams O-line under siege, 15 drives now, zero touchdowns for the Rams. Uh, yesterday, 19 in a row total, 306 yards. That's nothing. Um, nine QB hits. That's bad. Steelers have been good getting after the passer. So as you look at Buffalo fading and Indy fading because of injuries, Pittsburgh could slide in. They're going to ruin somebody's year. I don't think they make a run, but they're the perfect ruin your year team. Yeah. And if you want to do this quick, cause I want to move on from Pittsburgh here, um, because we've done a lot on it. It's just that Pittsburgh you know, again, this this schedule, it's the schedule stupid is something I said all the time on the radio show where we go like, what what's up with this team? How come they're this? Or why is this happening now? Hey, I thought they were good. Oh, well, guess what? The schedule got a lot tougher. Well, why were they? You know, so when somebody says, oh, people don't pay attention to San Francisco enough, well, it was because the schedule was really easy and they hadn't won, I don't know, a million Super Bowls like the Patriots in the last decade plus. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, but I just, whenever anybody does that, could it'll be, be could like, be that. hey, so-and-so like, how come you're saying this about this quarterback, but you're not saying it about Brady? Oh, I don't know. 
because maybe well, Brady's it's, gonna it's, be some people contradict themselves and I hate going down this like this I don't road, want to. but but people real quick, people contradict themselves there with cousins or somebody like him because if he balls out, then history is relevant. You know, his history of implosion right. is relevant. But if the team you want to be good is not getting talked about as much as the Pats say, then history is irrelevant. So yeah, I mean like pick one. Because Pittsburgh, these are their first three games. At New England, Seattle, where they were right in it, and then at San Francisco with Rudolph, and that game was kind of ugly both ways offensively for both those teams. But you know, you could argue they're playing three of the four, three of the five best teams in the NFL. Oh, yeah. They lost to the Ravens by three. That was the team. They lost the They should have won that game. They beat the Bengals 27 to 3, and they lost the Ravens a game that you mentioned they should have won. So this is a team that if they figure it out, like as this team gets better through the year, because that's what they're doing, they're they're already battle tested. The weather's going to get bad in Pittsburgh. It's not going to be a fun place for people to play late in the year. And they will ruin somebody's year at some point. And about the Rams, they're a defensive football team. Offense sells stadium tickets better than defense, especially in L.A. No doubt. And they have now, I think the number I saw this morning was 19 straight possessions without getting into the end zone. So, it's crazy. And, you know, Cincinnati, everybody gets right with them. You start digging into how bad they are. And it's not a knock on Baltimore because they're going to get to Lamar's unbelievable day again here shortly. All right, so your worst plane ride, I went Chiefs. You get Mahomes back. Their offensive line's a mess. Derrick Henry was the star in that game, despite some of the Tannehill stuff. Uh, and I love that Tennessee team in that they do have a toughness. And it's not just because Vrabel's got the Selleck thing going on the sideline with the puffy vest, who kind of looks like your buddy who went to Chope but then did steroids like 20 years later and came back for alumni weekend. <laughs> That's like, a regional to- joke. Yeah. I don't but, got that one. Yeah. He'd be like, wait a minute. Did he go? Did he play lax? Like, what happened to him? Be like, oh, I don't know. He's, he's like in Dallas now. He's dating some girl. He's, yeah, he's <laughs> doing pretty well. Um, <laughs> so here, here's my point on on Tennessee is that they took advantage of that Kansas City run defense that is we know it's bad and you know Mahomes can't carry them all by himself despite all the stuff we we saw for them so they get the kick blocked at the end they lose that's the worst one you have the Rams uh, I'm gonna say the best plane ride is it's got to be Atlanta I know it's a short one there from New Orleans but just to do something where you feel like we come into this thing one in seven and they're seven and one and Atlanta dominated New Orleans with a pass rush that we haven't seen from Atlanta all season long. Mm-hmm. And they had all their guys active and, and Ryan really got the ball out to a bunch of different people. That was not some weird fluky. What was the turnover battle type of thing for whatever reason, Atlanta rolled into New Orleans and dominated them. So I know a quick jump back to Atlanta, but those guys yeah. must've felt pretty good about it. Cause it does seem like even though everybody had Dan Quinn getting fired, that team hasn't given up on him. People really like no, Dan Quinn, yeah. and so I think people. I think even Arthur Blank would like to go. Hey, I actually want to keep this guy as my coach. So let's see how the second half of the season goes. Well, they reshuffled some coaches, and he's got to be better defensively. You're a defensive coach. The defense has never been good there, but people love Dan Quinn. So the players are going to play hard for him, and it's hate week, as you would you would hear down there regionally. They can't stand each other, so it's kind of like college ball. You throw out the records. That's throw a real rivalry. And throw them out in the NFL. Uh, yeah, my wor- my best plane ride is probably going to be LSU. I'm going to go to college because uh-huh. it was just such it was such a transcendent victory for America. I mean, Whoa. that's like when yeah, for, it's like it's like when um you know when the Cowboys lose, they joke that everybody's happy. Uh, when Bama loses, I think everybody except for Danielson's happy. Uh, 
Hey. And by the way, <laughs> he's like, the, the clocks, the, the seconds are ticking off. He's like, let's roll that graphic that we had ready of like Bama's <laughs> road to, back into the playoffs, which we know will happen. Um, but I, I just love uh, Ed Orgeron getting on the plane after even, there's so much about that plane ride that I'm curious about. Do the big ass state troopers go like sit with him? Like, why does the SEC have the scariest, biggest state troopers that all look like they played offensive tackle? LSU's got one who I think is Coach O's guy, this enormous black guy. I think he's, yeah, and he's got the bucket or the hat, the cowboy hat. I'm just like, that guy could whoop some serious ass. And I know he sits right next to Ed on the plane, probably. He looks like if Saquon Barkley lifted. If Saquon lifted, I think, uh, I think you're going to. I think he, he he looks way more like some he's like the nightmare dad for somebody that like is going to try to date the dude's daughter. I mean like that guy he's is huge. a nightmare. He's huge. That and guy's he's, in, and those guys like a lot of those guys are just so serious, but um I've seen him on the sideline for years. Trust me, he I just want to I want to be on that plane. I want to be on that plane. I want to see what Coach O eats for dinner, what's his drink of choice, uh where did the state trooper sit and then also um, how how it went down when they landed, and he saw that somebody IG lived uh, his post game speech. <laughs> so fly on the wall, best plane ride, and it probably had to be a really happy plane ride. I mean, you beat Bama. Um, that's that's a big big deal for them. So I was down there. I flew into Birmingham on Friday, and then I thought I lucked out because I got a last minute room in Tuscaloosa. Shout out to uh, five hundred dollar a night lodge. What's that? Yeah, I mean, shout it was, out to the Econo Lodge. I rolled in; it was like fifty degrees. I was like, "Hey, does heat is heat not included in this five hundred dollars a night? What's going on here?" But a lot uh, of people, a lot of my LSU people, were up in Birmingham, so it ended up being kind of a uh, a tame entree in. And then Saturday, you go into the stadium, and you just don't know. Like I've gone to this game now. My record, my personal record at Alabama LSU was was uh, LSU was two two and nine, I think. So I've I've only missed one game since 08. And wait, 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 wait. Your record, your win loss record? LSU was two and they were two and nine prior to the win. You so keep that, an LSU win loss record from the, the, the appearances your boy Rosillo makes. At, well, because there was starting to become function. a rumor that's like, hey, ever since you kind of jumped on jumped on this bandwagon here with this LSU thing the last decade, it hasn't gone great. You're the you're the black cat. Yeah. But then a black like cat the, did run behind me. At the corner of the end zone. <laughs> that was where the, you were? I do the cat ran right behind me and then into the stands. Like the thing went crazy. So I was like, Bro, and that up. was definitely that was definitely a copycat situation, no pun intended. Because like it was the a coincidence sign. there. And it then was a, definitely a sign. An LSU staffer comes up to me and he was wearing his 2011 credential from the last time they beat him, the 9-6 game that I was there for that night. And you know, I, I mean, the guys, the guys know, like, I don't hate Bama. I mean, Bama's been nothing but awesome. I have a ton of respect for Saban, but, you know, I've, I've sort of grown to have this affinity for LSU now more and more. The people, the state, I just love, I love everything about it. I always joke that I, I love you know, the state. I don't know. I just, I just love, I love the people. I love, I love the whole thing. LSU about it. Really was do. awesome. That yeah. was the one school, that was the school I wanted to go to. Did they offer uh, you? But, no, I didn't think I was good enough. I remember the day I got a letter from, probably was, not fast enough. Chef, you I don't would, have SEC speed. That was what I thought. I so I bought into the bullshit. Um, and so one day, as I'm going in tenth grade year to the local Shell station to grab some BC powder before a uh, varsity basketball game, BC powder. 
Uh, I used to just crush BC powder. I don't know if that was very good for me. This segment's not brought to you by BC powder. Um, I remember, I vividly remember the first letter I ever got from a major college was LSU. Totally typed out with like a, a stamp signature. And I was like, these guys like me. And then, of course, I started watching their games more. And I was like, yeah, I think, I don't know if I'm fast enough. Um, ended up in Virginia, ended up to be a good choice. But I say that to say this, this is a game I've always wanted to go to. Always well, wanted let's to go next atmosphere. year. You can come to Baton Rouge next year. I, I turned down a trip this weekend on a PJ to Tuscaloosa and out the same day because I love my family. I want to spend time with my children. That's, That's a family flex. I swear to you. Who Meg did you knows. turn the private jet down from? I can't say that. Oh, all right. But Do I know the person? I, will say, I don't know if you know the person, but I will say this. I will say that it just wasn't the right time. You know, it's been a long week. This pod stuff is exhausting. I want to be in the right frame of mind when I see that thing in person. I just, I can't wait to go and check it out. I mean, you got so many first rounders on that field. It's insane. I had a scout buddy text me. He's like, I count like 12 or 14 first rounders potentially on the field here. I mean, it's like, it's insane. It was, and that's, look, it's, it's this rivalry and maybe some LSU people tell you they actually hate Florida more, but there's also an element from LSU where they look across the sideline and see a guy in Saban that should have never left Baton Rouge, but they're happy with their guy now and Coach O and just a couple things. So as, as this guy, a staffer comes up to me, I was like, oh, look at that. You got your 11 pass. And he goes, Hey, I'll talk to you after we kick their ass. That guy's never said that to me ever before about any. I've heard guys around the team be like, hey, we feel good. We feel this. Hey, good week of practice. These guys are going to buy in. And then they go out and get shut out at home. But LSU is the better team start to finish. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I cannot tell you, like watching him in person, he's not the home run guy. He's not that top end speed guy. His side to side, his footwork in the hole is off the charts. It is insane. So when he runs, and if he runs a slow time and he goes in like the second or third round, whatever, somebody's going to be getting a steal because he's, he's value, an absolute yeah. brick house and his feet are, I, I cannot, it's just unbelievable watching his feet. And then yet here's Bama who scored on a punt return when they weren't supposed to punt it to Waddle and then on a deep ball to Devontae passed Stingley where Stingley looked in because I was on that sideline and he looked in at the sideline either for a call or someone said something to him. I'm not quite sure what happened. And Smith just ran past him and Tua hit him on the big play. So that was really one mistake and then a punt return for the only offense for Alabama for the first 40 minutes of that game. And then right. as the game, I'm starting to have this other thing watching all these games where I go, I wonder if these coaches, and this is always kind of the Gundy thing where it's like all that stuff we're running, all these plays to get everybody moving around, going side to side is because of that fourth quarter. But more right. and more of these games, I don't know if any players, even Bama and LSU athletes, if these guys can keep up physically at the last 15 to 20 minute mark, because it just feels like there's so many of these games that open up. Maybe it's the play calling. This is only a working theory. But as I try to figure out like who's good on defense, because Bama was still really good opponents yards per play. LSU was 16th. Now they're 30th after the Bama game. But we get into this thing where we want to pretend no one else plays defense except for our favorite teams. But it's not just an SEC thing. There are there are other schools where I wonder late in a game if it's a really physical 
big time kind of game that the body just starts wearing down and you're just not the same defensively the last 15 to 20 minutes. And it doesn't mean you're bad defensively. It just means like that's kind of the reality of what football is right now. Right, right. Where what do you put Burroughs? Who's your Burroughs comp? And how good is he gonna be? Um you on, Doug on Williams the McShea 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 hot seat. You don't like the Doug Williams comp? No, I do. I do. Uh, Doug Williams. That's I like you know that's yeah. a joke. I like forcing no, I was, I was like, here race. we go with with a, a yeah. cross racial. Uh, yeah, that's my thing. Which which hoops. never happens to defensive ends, by the way. I've been. <laughs> I'm glad that that Bosa has both Bosas have showed how good they can be, so that I can be unseated as the prototypical white uh, comp. Yeah, right. They're doing a lot for the culture um, right now, so that's yeah. that's huge. Uh, Burrow, you know, his, his, first the the biggest thing with Burrow, man, is the toughness. It's the toughness, it's the edge, it's it's what's going on upstairs with him where the you buy eyes. into it. Yeah. Like he you know how Dilfer always talks eyes. about like this guy's a dude, this guy isn't a dude. Whatever yeah. the prerequisite is to be a Dilfer dude, Burrow has all of that stuff. And there's an yeah. edge and just look, when they were gonna empty it and he was gonna run it right up the middle, you knew it was gonna work. You knew it was going to work on one of those late possessions there. And then, you know, Alabama gets another score, and you're like, is this really going to happen? Is Bama going to get the chance? Like, is Bama going to get a chance with the ball back here after everything that's happened? Is this actually going to be an option here for Bama to sneak this game out? And you're like, no, Burrow just go down and score again. And that's what happens. So, quick, you know, quick question, quick question before we get off this game. What does it smell like in that stadium? Like, I, I would imagine it smells like just tension. There's nothing to peak. There's nothing that'll ever touch the anxiety of the 2011 game, that 9-6 game, because no one but could it, get anything going. Does it going. smell like food? Does it smell like booze? Does it smell like? It was a little chillier, especially once the sun went down. It was cold in the morning. It was in the 30s in the morning. It got to like 50 during the game, and then you know once the sun was behind the stadium, I don't know. It just smells like the South. Trump was there, you know. <laughs> Trump like a ringing endorsement inside of that stadium and then i told you like it was crazy but there was a section of black guys a little behind the lsu sideline they didn't turn around at all good for them and he well you can believe what you want to believe i don't want to go down this road because everybody will yeah i'm getting political on the podcast that's okay everybody has their their stances on it but you know i made a joke to somebody on the sideline i was like well it wasn't like trump was going to show up to the cal stanford game you know, so he wasn't showing up to Cal Stanford game, and he 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 whiffed at the, at the in uh, the MLB playoffs. I think it was the World Series, so he had to just keep heading down south. He had to keep heading south, yeah, keep right. hitting different games until he got an ovation. Yeah, above the border, but not too not too far down. So no, not yeah, too and far. I'm just like I'm observing. There was a bunch of white guys in a fraternity that had a huge huge Trump poster out front, and you're like, okay, well that. There we go. And it was like right in the entrance of the Walk of Champions thing. But as far as the game was concerned, I talked about Clyde, the Burrow thing. I don't have a good comp for you. I still love Tua. I love Tua. I, I don't know how anybody watches that game. I want to watch it on TV now, but watching it in person, like I'm all in on Tua. I know the ankle injuries and all that kind of stuff. What he did on third and 19, a fourth and four, fourth and two, that guy, I think he's the real deal. And I like him better than Burrow. As a, as a pro prospect, which I guess after two a loss that we can't have it after the game. Yeah, we can't say that we can't mayhem that. trying to find my way over to Galette's to meet up with a couple of the older LSU alums. Um, and I got hit by a car, but I didn't know I get hit by a car, which is pretty struck weird. struck or struck or tapped. Um, it was weird. I'll, I'll explain it to you. So these two dudes 
in LSU gear are walking like an opposite direction and they know they recognize me, but they don't know who I am. They're like, we know we, we recognize you, but we don't know what the deal is. And they're like, hey, what's up, man? They're like, why are you always picking against LSU? I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm like, you recognize me, but you don't know who I am. So now you're just assuming. I think they must have thought I was Cannell, who was on one again on Twitter the other night. But it Who's was better looking, you or Cannell? Uh, I think it really depends on what you want. Like, do you want rugged, keep it real, or do you want guy who's dressing like he's in high school? <laughs> So, so I don't you know. dress like you're in high school? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Well done. He, he was trying to keep it real on those rankings he posted the other night. That was like a meme. Yeah, right. I mean, the idea that anybody has and you four said I wins. Miss you. I said, you said, I miss you, Danny. <laughs> I did. I just said, I miss you, Danny. But the, the idea anybody has four wins that are close to what LSU's four wins are, uh, I don't want to hear it. I know what the strength schedule numbers are. And yeah, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think thinking LSU deserves to be one. But if Ohio State played LSU tomorrow, I'm not going to tell you. Like I don't know. Even going to that game last night, I was like, I don't know. You know, I I didn't I didn't know. I mean, obviously, it wasn't last night. It was on Saturday night. So hit by a car, but I was turned as these guys were yelling at me. And then all of a sudden, I felt like it. It felt like like I got double kicked in the back of the Achilles in my heels. Oh, like, you got a low. So oh, I was turned in the van, these two guys in a minivan, white guy on his phone, by the way, while he hit me. And <laughs> I I felt like this sort of like just as if somebody pushed at the back of the the lower port of my 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 legs there. And I was like, yeah. what the, you know, one of those deals. So it didn't hurt. Like there's some scrapes there. It was uncomfortable, but it processed in such a weird way because I was turned as I was getting yelled at for probably being Canel that. I didn't even get mad. And then another guy saw me. He's like, they just hit you. And I was like, yeah, they did hit me. And then I swore at the guy, but he's already gone. And then somebody else said, like, I can't believe you didn't lose it. I'm like, no, no, this is one of those things where, hey, if I got hit by a car because a guy shouldn't have hit me, you would go bananas and try to drag him out of the minivan. But it was so weird and surprising. And then the car kept going. And then I was like, wait a minute. I guess I just got clipped a little bit in the back. And it didn't really hurt. It wasn't that big of a deal. Can we get a make and model? Gray minivan that's all minivan. i got yeah that's all i got not Be an on industrial the van. For a gray minivan gray minivan Tuscaloosa. over by the ramajama all right so oh, the ramajama what's yeah. the second best thing to do in alabama other than a uh, a game at uh brian denny stadium well it's definitely watching dj purdy galette's main stage back room because there's a little vip section where they they put a bunch of the boosters and some of the former athletes and we were over there. You got to experience it a little bit. But Purdy, Purdy On FaceTime, is, yeah. Nothing yeah. like a club FaceTime where you can't understand or hear what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I wanted you to be involved. Because my, yeah. well, my boys I felt involved. from other parts of the country have met this, uh, this Purdy dude who DJs. And they bring him out to LSU all the time. And he's just, he's intense. He's locked in. He puts on a show. And there was Go DJ as well with the uh, Baton Rouge spelling. So shout out to those guys. And then I was Ooh. like, all right, it's time to leave. It's time to get out of here. Shout out to the Carter, the original. Yeah. What's up that with that? Played, you that, playing it right well, now? The Carter, the, the Carter was, was, the Carter is synonymous with the freshman year of college for me. So the Carter will always hold a special place in my heart. I'll see you at the next game. We'll, let's make a date of it next year. I'm going, so you're in. Okay. Maybe I'll get another PJ op option and I'll parlay it into... We can fit you on the uh, on the jet. 
Yeah, I don't know why that would make any sense logistically for me to head in the opposite direction from Baton Rouge, but the private jet thing is such a nice option that maybe maybe I will. We're uh, we're real elitists on this uh, on this podcast today. We're trying to do financial well, listen, buddy it, rankings, and now we're talking all private jets. You know, it, the private jet. It's you know when it's there, somebody offers you you. you you don't stick your nose up at it, but I love my family. So again, I watch from the comfort of my couch. Okay. All right. So let's do a little Ravens love and then talk about something that either went over great or poorly, depending on where you're at. But Lamar Jackson now has two perfect rating games. He had the first run maybe since like a Mike Vick type run. And the Vick stuff is comparable, except for Lamar might be more accurate. Vick was always... When he was with Atlanta, he was kind of overrated, I thought, as a quarterback because it was so much fun and it was dynamic, and then he wins that playoff game against Green Bay, and then literally nothing happens for the longest time. And he was okay, but I don't think he was necessarily great. And then he went to Philly, and he had like an MVP-type season, and you're like, this is incredible. But he was always you know, worried about getting hurt. I don't see Lamar ever getting hit clean. And now I'm starting to think with Baltimore with an improving defense. Their corners have been good. Some of their edge guys have been better. Earl Thomas is there. Like it wasn't a very good defense. It didn't have any outside guys. But what they're doing with this rushing attack, they're scoring right now. This is the number one scoring offense in the NFL. Okay. They're yeah. number one in scoring. They're second in yards per game. The defense has jumped up for where it was kind of a bottom third to now, depending on what numbers you want to look at, it could be argued to be a top 10 in some metrics. It's average, you know, as far as yards allowed per game, but that's still all the beginning numbers. But Lamar's become the most fun thing in the NFL, and it really feels like what can the Ravens do in the playoffs if a rematch does happen with New England, if it does even happen. I'm fascinated to see that. And if this guy can win the MVP. And yes, I know it's against a Cincinnati team that is atrocious. They're the worst defense in the league by a lot of numbers. But, um, you know, I, I I don't even want to sit here and nitpick at any of it anymore, even though I felt like, you know, week five or six, the passing numbers still quite weren't the way people were talking about it. But it doesn't even matter with what they're doing with this offense. No, I'm on, I'm on board. Um, I am on board with the Ravens. I said it last week or two weeks ago after that Patriots game, and I caught some heat from some of the ringer bros in my mentions uh, that I said that. Greg Roman, who's done a masterful job, has more to work with with Lamar than Cap. And that's not a hot take. I mean, you look at his numbers uh, projected over a 16-game uh, season with what he's done so far. They're superior to Cap's year that that went to the Super Bowl. Now, Lamar's yet to do something like that Green Bay game in the playoffs that year. And Lamar gives them more laterally and, and, and more straight line even uh, than Cap. They can do more in the run game. And Cap was a hell of a player there for a stretch. So that's not a that's no shade there. I think Lamar and Greg Roman is a scary thing for years to come. Somebody this morning actually, uh, the first time I'd heard it was like, uh, hey, is Greg Roman going to be looked at as a head coach? I don't know that that's necessarily something he's interested in doing, but that's the one thing that at this point uh, could – ever hinder Lamar's development to me. Uh, you know, the one thing Lamar has as an obstacle that Cap didn't have is Cap took the lead by surprise and by storm. And that Greg Roman phenomenon with Cap's, you know, running wrinkles. Um, and by the way, Cap had a lot more to work with offensively from a standpoint of who to throw the ball to, offensive linemen. That team was built to plug in whoever. Um, and now Baltimore's in a phase where they're building around Lamar. So, um, again, scary what they could do together. I don't think Roman – I hope the marriage between Roman and Lamar 
stays the way it is for years to come because it's a lot of fun to watch. And and you look at the first Cincy game and this Cincy game. This is a team that lost two games early, started two and two, including a loss to the Browns. This is the NFL. Teams change through the year. And that Ingram pickup that I've loved uh, is something I think the Saints are missing in the red zone. I think the Saints are missing it in general. I think that could be the thing, uh, the domino besides Lamar that puts them over the top. And when they see New England again, just remember that New England does not automatically fix problems that that reared their head during the, the regular season. When they lose to a team, they actually have a sub-500 record when they see them in the playoffs. So I don't think they're a team that anybody wants to play right now. I don't, yeah, I mean, forget wanting to to play them. Would you pick them on the road against New England in a playoff game? Well, the interesting conversation, I had this this uh, convo with Ninko, that, um, Rob Ninkovich. So, you know, he made a great point. The reason it's such a bad matchup for New England is that New England's front seven is built, you know, with 250-pound linebackers. And these guys are tremendous downhill. And that's not to take anything away from like a Jamie Collins or a Hightower or a Van Oy, who all have different skill sets and are tremendous football players. Collins is one of the – he's the best coverage linebacker in the league. But when your front seven is built for power, and that's how New England's organization in general is built, for power. When I went there as a free agent in, uh, in 16, I was blown away by how physical the team was, built for strength, not necessarily speed, and, uh, and, and defensively especially. When you get those guys running side to side and put them in binds, when you can actually get them running sideways, get them uncomfortable, and then actually run the ball right up the middle, that's where it begins to be a problem for New England. But when you see them in Foxborough in January, inclement weather, it's a 50-50 thing. And a lot of this stuff you do that, that pro offenses stay away from, like pitches and, and, and some of these more exotic run plays that put you at risk with ball security, you, you do less of it if it's sleeting and it's 36 degrees in Foxborough, it's snowing or windy and 15 degrees. Like that's, what I, that's the X factor for, for me is the weather. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Ravens leapfrog them and get home field. I'm just like, that's with, with New England's next four to six weeks, we'll know what's real and what's not. We really will. And, and that will affect the outcome of the AFC with, with home field advantage. Here we go. Irresponsible question of the week. You ready? I'm always ready for an irresponsible question. Chris, uh, will the Clippers be back here Sunday playing the game seven? What? <laughs> your feeling about, you know, your level of confidence that you'll be back here again. What you think? For I'm, I'm on the team. What you want me to say? No, nah, it's over. I, just, I mean, that's what you want to hear? Yes. That's, come on, man. You've been doing this long enough. Seriously, right? If you can expand upon that. No, I don't know. Everybody in here laughing for a reason. Is Mahomes the problem? No, I'm just kidding. I wanted to do that <laughs> so bad. I want to do that. Next on <laughs> Get Up. Let is, it, you you should have let it. You should have sold it more. I know. Okay. Is Kellen Moore too light in the chest to be a football coach? He has sloping no. shoulders. It worries no, me. It's his shoulders. Well, listen, Kellen Moore may be bad built, but Kellen Moore was a real football player. Yes, he was. So, Huge numbers. So listen, you you have to respect Kellen Moore's football playing prowess over his his dad bod, you know his early onset dad bod. Like 
at the end of the day, there have been many great coaches who didn't have the great the greatest physiques. Um, the goat, not exactly built like like Lawrence Taylor. Bill? Yeah, I mean, who are the best coaches in history, bro? Like, not a ton of them were Ron Rivera. <laughs> you know, so, like Shula though. Shula had some size on him. He was a football guy. Was he bigger than you think? Yeah. This Shula deceptive was, size. One of my all-time favorites is Shula telling me how much he loved watching the TV show during the day. That's a long time Did ago. Did he say that? Yeah. He said that. Did he think you were Danny? So he likes Danny. He likes Danny a lot. <laughs> He's like, hey, you played at Florida State. You get it. And I was like, I just went with it. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, there's a couple of football guys over here. I think Kellen Moore is a really bright young mind. And I tend to believe that when they get conservative and they tighten up, it's not him. That's the head coach taking the reins. That's my theory. Okay, so it's not the shoulders. It's definitely not the shoulders. Listen, as I said, I've had a number of very physically imposing coaches who played in the league, and, and it's just like this in the media. Just because you played in the league doesn't, doesn't mean you can just rest on your laurels and be a great coach or talk about football. Like, and that's a trap some of us players fall into. I hope I don't. I'm sure I've done it at some points. But coaches do the same thing. A, an early onset dad bod is not going to, I mean, this guy's going to be a head coach one day. It's just the way this thing goes now. Okay. All right. All right. Good. You make, I look, it's an irresponsible question. It doesn't even mean I believe it. I just don't yeah. like these compression kind of long sleeve things he's rocking because it's not, it's not complimenting his body. Are we hiding something with that? No, we just, no, we need, it's, it's not hiding enough is my point. We need <laughs> something a little bulkier. On the sideline, okay. maybe like a three quarter, okay. like a quarter zip, a quarter zip, not even a three quarter. They maybe don't make three quarter zips. You know how they have coach a body doubles or stunt doubles? You just have a coaching double. That yeah. would be an interesting one. I think we could use it in politics, not to get political, and we could use right. it in coaching. And, and, and I think that a model where you have a front man who has an earpiece that could be very physically imposing, charismatic in politics, uh, but you have people who actually know what they're doing behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz. I think that I think that that's a system that could work. You, you wonder if there there was ever somebody um there was ever somebody coaching behind the scenes that we don't know about. Who we'll save this segment. Yes, but save who it. would be a, who who would be the most likely coach to have a Wizard of Oz pulling the strings behind the scenes? A coach that's charismatic. You know, Coach O could be one. But of course in college it's more about the coordinators and and whatnot. But Coach O is a guy that, and I'm not saying, I'm sure he's a great coach. His charisma alone and command of the team and personality is something you can't coach. So it would be interesting to me to see if some of these guys that have maximum charisma, but the FBI, football intelligence is lacking, if we could do a coaching double segment. You kind of, you're blowing my mind and I'm afraid I can't even keep up. I don't know that I have the, just the, the bandwidth available to even process all this stuff right now. Well, I didn't drink too much this weekend. So no, that's not is... that's not even what it is. It's just I, you know. By the way, the light show inside of Alabama Stadium where they turn off all the lights, it's unbelievable. Like it actually is cool. And they start is singing Is it a seizure risk? It is. It is. Actually, uh, apparently there was a guy that had I'm not going to say names here, but there was a sideline guy who suffers from seizures who like started losing it while he was covering a game in there. Yeah, you can't. Um, I mean, like, listen, I'm all about the Baltimore flicking the lights on and off, but you, 
that population down in Alabama has never been to a, you know, a, a dead mouse show or a, a marshmallow show. Is that the other DJ marshmallow? Yeah. Marshmallow shout out. Their eyes aren't trained for that sort of stimulation. You can't do that. Not in no. Tuscaloosa. So no That's glow sticks place. and Zed. You just, you can't, but they start singing Dixieland delight and they've got all their own little lyrics to it and it, it goes off. And then you've got that little LSU section behind the sideline there in the corner and their bands just, they're trying to hang on. They're trying. And, right. uh, you know, they, they did a hell of a job. It's a free for all in there. I can't believe they let people stand where they stand and people just jumping all over the place. Um, it is very Southern and not Northeast Northeast. There'd be all sorts of people yelling at you being like, Oh, you can't stand there. You can't do that. Turn a lot more way. yellow, yellow jackets. Yeah. There's a bunch of yellow jackets. Those CSC dudes. Yeah, uh-huh. you think that that company be around so long they'd get better jackets, but maybe the jackets work because we just referenced that yellow jacket again. If I see somebody with a yellow jacket, I'm like, I'm not even sure if I'm standing in the right place. If somebody's wearing a yellow raincoat on the street, I'm like, oh, I need to get out of the way. Like it's almost like embedded, so it works. It does work. You know what? They can keep the jackets, but it just they the company those jackets are well known. Okay, we have two more things that we're going to do here. We're going to end with a history lesson. New book started up. And I think what I may have done here is like that manager that tells you you're going to hit a sales number that I know you're not going to hit. I may have done that to Chris here because we want to do this thing called confessionals, like when the guys in the real world would go off into the room and turn on the camera and be like, man, Doug sucks. Uh, you know, I really know what to say. Some of the other house people are like, you know, I have to do a house world. meeting. And I just wasn't as into it. That's fine. That probably makes you a better person. But when it was on, there were certain years I'd be like, okay, this crew... I'm in. There were other crew. There were other years where I went. Man, it's been like four or five years. I haven't cared about this. I don't even know if it's on also real, real. Real world was hot when I was young. Yeah, I mean that that first one, dude. I was in high school, so you know. Never mind. I do love that the second real world they ever did. Again, you're too young for this. Was in Los Angeles, and they brought on like a real guy who was older that had his shit together, and he was the worst character ever because he like worked in the music industry. I think he was foreign. And he may have been 30, but back then he looked 100 to us because we were so young. I'm and, looking at the real world season two cast. Yeah. And he... There's a guy with a cowboy hat. He's He was... Uh, he kind of sucked. There's a guy that looks like my buddy Dewey. Yeah, that's, um, I think, the guy that was in the music industry. Dewdrop. Yeah, um, I see this guy. He looks like Dewey. He looks like exactly yeah. what like Dewey's going to look like. And I wish people listening... Oh my God, he was 24 on the show. <laughs> this whole theory that I've had for years has been totally I'm ripped check apart. check and see if he has an IG. Yeah, check him out now. See Man, he looked way older. I think, he, I think his deal was he just stopped. He, like, he was a writer, I guess. I thought he worked in the music industry, but apparently he was a review guy. This is, all, this is all happening on the fly with our research department, so we apologize to all the listeners right now. But I always He's thought he was Ireland. way older. Because I wanted to do that. I was like, what the real world should do is just throw a 40 year old in there not me because i wouldn't want to do it now but it would be hilarious just be like hey there's a 40 year old guy in this mix all of a sudden where's this guy coming from like what's the deal why is our dad here they still do the real world i don't even know i don't even know well if they do i think they should have you on no i don't want to do it i wouldn't want to do it now god no what about the one where you had to live in a room like and you couldn't go outside for a long time um was that the movie split no not a movie it was a show it was like everybody had to stay in the house and couldn't, couldn't leave. Oh, it was like Big real brother? world. Big brother? Yeah. Yeah. Below it was deck? like real world, but more fucked up. Making the band was a great reality show. VH1. I don't do a lot of reality. I never watched it. 
Flickr stick? Come on, dude. Also never watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Never was into uh, Home Improvement. Never was into... Uh, what happened in my childhood? Yeah, what happened to you? Were you not allowed to? Were you guys no, gluten-free I just was, before it was like a real thing? I was watching like... Seriously, uh, I was more into like Total Recall and Terminator, which was probably inappropriate at that age. I was a big fan of Howard the Duck in like 91. You know, that was... Weird It movie. was an adult... Yeah, weird movie. And then... TV show wise, I used to watch Nick at Night, bro. I was watching like old people shit because I would stay up late, sneak into the other room, watch more uh, Mork and Mindy. What was that? <laughs> what was all that? Did you watch Nick at Night? Yeah, sometimes when I, you know, when I back when I was living in the hotel at the beginning of the ESPN thing, and depend on what channels you got, like it was always an option. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a normal childhood with like the TV viewing shit. You didn't come home from school or after practice and like watch. A show? No, because I found sitcoms depressing because that meant like it was like homework time. Like whenever Seinfeld would come on and I was a kid and it would go, burr, 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 I was like, fuck. Like I'm, like I'm supposed to be doing homework. Like dinner's ready. I haven't done my homework. You know, that sort of, it was just stressful. I, I associate it with stress. There's, there's I, some real association triggers there, right? Oh yeah. Parent-teacher conference meetings. Not cool when your dad has to go in and you get the whole, you know, riot act read. And, you know, my dad's six foot five with a flat top. You know, I don't have some nerdy dad coming home being like, hey, bro, got to pick it up in school. When I was screwing up in school, that was very stressful. Yeah, that was, trust me, I, I went through it too. And it sucked. A lot of he, he By that. the way, he then loved you just your step defense. It up. What? He loved your defense of, uh, of the vineyard. He got a big <laughs> kick out of that. But I don't think he was laughing with you. <laughs> I'm not trying to say the vineyard is Charlestown. I just, you know, we get a, we may have to have Howie call in at some point. I don't Let's think do he that. was, I, I don't think, I don't, I think he would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I'm simply saying it's a little more blue collar in the winter than people realize. And that's, that's it. That's all I got to say about that. Okay. So the reason I want to do these confessionals is it's basically, it's admitting something that you may not do normally, but now we're going to do it. And instead of doing a bunch, because we're running behind here and we still have a history lesson, let's just mm -hmm. do the best one each. Do you want to do that? Do you want to start with your best one? Something that you're basically saying, you know what, this is kind of something I've been thinking about, and I'm just going to say it now, even though I know I may take some heat for it. You want to do your um, one best one? Sure. I mean, like, for me, it's more a collection of little things. Like, I like candy corn. Uh, I eat peanut butter sandwiches with no jelly. Not a big peanut butter and jelly guy. Is that is that controversial? I can't believe this, but I found somebody else. That's that's what I, I do. Uh, oh, really? Cool. Yeah, I put jelly on it. I put a little honey on there sometimes. I also don't like the movie Hell or High Water, even though I love Jeff Bridges. Could not stand the movie Three Billboards. Um, I hated Three Billboards. Remember the Titans was corny. Um, oh my god, this is rapid fire confession. You're just you're just in the room right now, going. I love it. Yeah, I, I used to eat raw pasta. You said like raw ramen noodles in, in college. Like I was too lazy to even like <laughs> just chomping on raw ramen noodles. I, I went, I went, um, I went food. Yeah. That was the first thing in my head. Cause I do have some, another thing is I didn't like the movie, the other guys, which, which your ringer contingency was, it's almost like there's a regional bias here. Loved Marky Mark's role. You're staying quiet. Cause you don't want to ruffle the new England feathers. No, I just, uh, 
The Ringer's way more LA than it is Boston. I can tell you that right now. But yeah, it feels very Boston in my mentions sometimes. <laughs> All right. Um, I haven't given the other guys enough of a chance. I think I've only watched bits of it, so I don't have an opinion on it. I didn't give it a chance because, and listen, there's a lot of Marky Mark movies I really like. Fear. Just didn't work for me. Fear is a great one. That <laughs> would be the first one they on won't, my list. They won't do it as a rewatchables at The Ringer. I'm very upset about this. Fear is incredible. Why? <laughs> why? Why is it incredible? It's it's an incredible. No, why movie. why 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 won't they let you do it at the rewatchables? Well, the rewatchables isn't really my brand. There, it's not my thing. So they they invite me to come on to do a rewatchable, but I don't. Well, they I've, can they invite me because I love rewatching shit. That's all I do. If you want to do one, I'm sure we can have you on a rewatchable staff. What do you want to do? Dollars, a million dollars is all it will cost. I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I maybe I'd like to rewatch the other guys because it started with the ringer ranking, um, you know, Will Ferrell movies and they didn't have the campaign in the top eight and they had the other guys, which was almost single-handedly sabotaged by Marky Mark. Another thing is I think the bears probably didn't win the Mac trade, even though Khalil Mack has been an 11 out of 10. This just proves that sometimes even if the player exceeds expectations, the trade from a from a philosophical standpoint, not so smart. Wow. That's my football. And I've been the whole time, I just was slow to jump on the, hey, look at John Gruden and those guys, they're morons. Khalil Mack's fun to watch on Sunday. Look at him do all this. Look at him do all this stuff. Look at him doing all this stuff. Yeah, Gruden was in the Gruden's, portal. Gruden's an idiot. Mac just did another thing. Mac's fucking awesome. You also lost the trade, probably. It seems so wrong when we brought it up. And I don't want to just do this, though. Oh, the Bears aren't good and the Raiders are better than no, everybody thought. No, so that no. meant. And I still can't believe they took a running, but, but Jacobs is going to be defensive or, excuse me, offensive rookie of the year. He's incredible. Right. Um, right. We got to see what the rest of the picks end up being, though. I think before we can say definitively that Oakland actually won the MAC trade, but the fact that it's even a like a one percent possibility to bring up is a huge surprise based on where we were just a year ago. Agreed. Also, uh, yeah, agreed. I, I agree. Also, as a millennial and somebody who's been accused of being just a massive lib, can't stand the OK Boomer thing. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah, we didn't it's, get to it, that in the Lamar tweet. We didn't, your we Lamar didn't, tweet, your Lamar tweet was well executed, and what we, you know, basically, you 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 did a Lamar meme, which I thought was very funny. Um, some people got fooled. I replied, "Okay, boomer." Of course, it was just satirical because I I'm not a fan. That's very ageist, isn't it? Yeah. What are we doing? Why are millennials who want to be so inclusive excluding older people? I'm just saying, there's a lot I'm of asking. nice. There's a lot there's a lot of nice boomers here in Charlottesville, Virginia that lean very blue and I think would be very agreeable to the demographic that is a fan of the catchphrase okay boomer. I get well that I get I get I get what it's trying to accomplish and like generally I I get it. But it's kind of ageist. Kind of. Just it is. Although millennials could fight back and be like, "Okay, so wait a minute. You mean your your generation, the generation that has been just dumping on us the whole time, and now we have student debt. Cool. By the way, look at this wait, the other wait, day. Wait, 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 My generation, though, I am a, you know, I'm a young man. No, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about yeah. me. I, I'm, I'm aware of oh, our yeah, gap, yeah. the decade are you, gap. Are here. you a boomer, technically? No. God. How old do you think I am? 
<laughs> Jesus. Let me just okay, double check, though. Okay, nice meme, Boomer. Let me double check. Okay, Boomer meme hurts Gen Z more than the older generation. Uh, yeah, right. I'm like 11 years past it. So just to, just to double check for people on that one. Okay, uh, my confessional is this. I think 90% of the feel-good viral videos are fake. And I know that sucks. And if something makes you feel good, it makes you feel good. I remember I asked Bill Walton once. I go, hey, what do you think players are listening to nowadays? They're probably not listening to Europe 72. And he was like, Ryan, it's not what inspires us. It is that we have the ability to be inspired. And I was like, wow. Whoa. Whoa. That is the man there, by the way. Yeah. I bet he likes Dark Star. Yeah, are you kidding me? So Baker Shaw, he was there. He was like, I'm in more of the Motown cover band. So I if you watch a video that's a feel-good video and it makes you feel better or feel some sort of thing or makes your day better, then who am I to suggest to not feel better? But I think a lot of these videos are fake. Like there was one the other day where a woman is at the checkout line trying to buy her groceries and then all of a sudden some other woman realizes like her car got declined so she's going to pay for her groceries and somebody happened to just be filming that i mean who would be in the checkout line being like okay what's going on with aniston oh that's a good price on mints oh i don't even have a card here let me just see if i can get him to scan let me just film this whole thing let me just film this again oh okay wait a minute seven ways that you know that he's into you okay oh wait what's going on here Someone is randomly buying groceries for someone else whose card was declined and then sent out. Because I think what happens is, and this definitely happens, is the good thing happens and it is filmed and it is staged. And I'm not saying this one was. I don't know with a great degree of certainty. But some of the stuff is staged. And then all of a sudden, everybody reaches out, reaches out because we are very sympathetic people. As mean as this country can be at times, it's incredibly sympathetic at times, too. It's a very odd combination of, of a personality for people that are Americans. And... The country has a personality disorder. No, it's really crazy. It's it's so well said. Um, but I think a lot of it turns into, you know, what really bums me out. Nothing bums me out more than bummed out kid, okay? I'm just going to tell you right right now. A bummed out kid who, like, doesn't have oh, friends. It's the, the saddest. The bullying videos and shit. The like, bullying videos bum me out. But who's filming the bullying video? Like, what's going on there? fucking phone. Yeah. Get off so, your phone. Step like, in, dude. So we're going to watch this kid. And then remember the bullying video? And it was a kid. He was crying. He was talking about how he's getting made fun of at school. It's hard. I'm not even a parent. And it's got to be one of the most heartbreaking things ever. And, like, the, you know, one of my weird things is when I transferred in high school, like, I was that guy for two years who sat by himself. And, and it was weird because I had always been popular. Sports, everything always worked out. And then I'm like, man, I'm one of those dudes that I wouldn't have sat with in junior high. And that's who I am in high school. And I kind of mm-hmm. just dealt with it and just was like, whatever, this sucks, but I'll, I'll be fine. But if I were a parent and I knew, like, my kid was the kid that sat by himself at lunch, and you know what? Look, high school's tough and things are going to move. That's so I want everybody to understand that is as cold as I can be. And, you know, I know how everybody thinks of me and not having kids and all that thing. Like that stuff is heartbreaking. <laughs> is that how everybody No, but people just think you. I'm like this. First this thing like, they think is like, right, pretty good on the NBA, really good on college basketball as well, or college football as well. Has no kids. <laughs> has no kids. No, shows That's no emotion. That's the scouting report on you. But, you know, there was that one where the kid was crying and the mother's filming it. And then it's like, hey, here's my Venmo. Like, I don't want to see, I don't want to see a kid getting beat up at recess with a fucking SoundCloud link after the video. 
And yeah, I don't want to see that you know, either. <laughs> so don't you don't do the SoundCloud after you expose the bullying. And by the way, if you're exposing bullying, put the fucking phone down. Maybe set it on the wall and go kick the shit out of the bullies. So there's a real Brian, yeah. I mean, Brian Rosillo, dry sense of humor, does a Monday Ringer pod, hasn't had a home cooked meal in quite a while. That's the scouting report. <laughs> Gets bummed out by bullying videos. So I just, oh, it's but, just something to think about where I, I feel like there's this trend now in this country where people are posting these feel good stories, but they're not doing their motivations are extremely selfish and I would say duplicitous. I, I think I agree with you. I do think it's hard to. You can kind of get an inclination of what the motivation is from the context clues of a video. Like, for instance, the ones that you say are fake. Also, a lot of funny ones are very fake as well. And I can't stand it when I go through the comments and I'm like, y'all are all buying this? Like, y'all are all... I've gotten fooled by viral videos before, but on the regular, because there is a demand for them because people are falling for these fake-ass videos time after time again. And that's one of two things. We want to feel good because there's so much bad news. That's why that's why they're in demand. And two, our ADD doesn't allow us to really analyze these videos. So we take them at face value. The bullying videos are like, that's terrible. But not too many people are like, put the phone down. The good news videos, you're like, okay, well, there's certain things that can be used as an example to inspire people. I get needing to, like when we did a bunch of charitable stuff, I was really insecure about doing things publicly. Um, I, I think cell phone videos there's like a, a fine line you walk to. You got to know if it's like, this is a feel-good story that's going to inspire somebody or I have no business filming this and it could be done in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we covered it, right? I think we covered it. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. I don't want people one to last, not share One last stuff. confession. I don't shampoo a lot. I shampoo, I probably shampoo once a week. That usually gives your your hair a little more body and flair to it, though. You know, if you that's shampoo, why, that's, yeah, yeah, you overdo it. The lettuce. No, I don't know. Maybe some people think that's gross. No, I don't think it is. I think it's a styling trick that a lot of dudes right now are going. He gets it. So I'm sweet. on the trend. Do we want history lesson? I feel like we've gone long enough. I think we're going to get kicked out of the studio. Should I read more than twenty pages of the Rockefeller bio, Titan? Because I, well, I want to you... hear about Rockefeller's dad, real quick. Big Bill. All right, let me give you a quick. A quick synopsis on Big Bill, because I just started Titan, Chernow's Rockefeller bio. Uh, finance Mark loved it. Non-finance Eben, buddies of mine, also liked it. And Rockefeller just went for it. But I'm in the early, early stages. We're talking like 18, um, 1840s here now. Wild times. And Big Bill Rockefeller, John Rockefeller's dad, he was like a confidence man. Uh, and he would just take his horse and carriage into other towns and pretend he was deaf and have a sign, be like, I'm slow and I'm deaf, and then like get money from people. And then people from like neighboring and people towns. People would have filmed it. People would have filmed it if they had cell phones. <laughs> they would have. Well done. Great way to tie it all together. So he was getting away with it for a while. And again, I'm, I'm a bit of a fraud because I'm only a chapter or two into the book. But Poser. yeah. He, I just walk around with Titan, be like, oh, are you reading that? And I just put the bookmark in the back. I'm like, yeah, you know. Yeah, and after a while, your rotator cuff gets tired from carrying the 40-pound books you read. Yeah. So he would go to other towns, and then there was these people that showed up that saw him in one of these towns pulling this scam. He would send, he would like sell elixirs, and sometimes he'd be deaf when he'd go to the other towns. Sometimes he wasn't. And then he was he was sitting there at like a church speaking, and people that had saw seen his deaf routine in another town were like, oh, my gosh. 
your turnaround is miraculous. He was like, yes, the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yo, if Bill, he if Bill was, was alive, like, if if Bill was alive today, he'd be a televangelist or he'd sell vape cartridges cut with vitamin E oil. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. That's just like what he would do. Yeah. Also consider the fact that people in the 1840s, you said wild time, like imagine being really, really exorbitantly wealthy, but still smelling like shit. Yeah. Cause it's kind of impossible. Yeah. BO bathing, like two pairs of trousers, you know, like a decade. You know, you Terrible. weren't you weren't going and getting a new set of dungarees just because it was. What are you buying week? with a, a What are you buying with eighteen forties money? What's the splurge purchase like? A clipper ship? No, God, I was just going to think China. You know, serving you buy dishes, China. ladles. Oh, I didn't say ladles. buy the country of China. <laughs> no, yeah, the, I guess that, no. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't be, think. Oh, you're talking like baller brand. I think it was just acreage I'm, back then. Like if you were a baller, yeah. you just you just went straight square footage lots so to finish this big Let bill me just get delaware big bill would leave the family all the time um though he would leave his parents place when he was younger and then he met up with this chick named nancy brown who apparently was like an 1840s smoke show but she was just she was um she was an innkeeper so she would sweep the area so he was he was hanging out with her for a while and then he met this this girl eliza davison whose parents were like this big bill guy sucks She's like, whatever. Yeah. And then she would, I guess there was like a $500 or $1,000 kind of dowry deal where Big Bill was like, so I get like a thousand bucks if I marry your daughter. And even though the family didn't want him to, and some of this is loose, right? And so then all of a sudden, Nancy's like, I'm getting kicked to the curb here just because I sweep floors. And this woman has a father that, you know, was going to kick in some cash. And he was like, yeah, pretty much. And then he pulled a complete what for on everybody and he moved Nancy in to their home as a nanny while he was there with his wife and he had apparently Oldest a couple, trick in the book right so he had a couple kids with the nanny while she was also taking care of his kids with um his actual wife and that was frowned upon let me tell you in the yeah. upstate area of new york by the town's people but they they did move after that, and the mistress thing did not go on forever. But Big Bill was uh, really that was the kind of guy would have, he would have, if Big Bill were around today, he would have courtside seats at Miami Heat games, even though he'd always be a little behind, like on the deposit. And the for sure, he guy. seemed yeah. like the guy that was renting his Lamborghini in South Beach. Uh, also, for the record, seems like a bad guy. You can head over to Wikipedia to check that out. Uh, Live to ninety five. Yeah, no, he hung out for a long time. I can't wait to find out more about him. I mean, I just, I'm not even scratching the surface here. Only the good die young is is what I'm taking from this Wikipedia entry about his, uh, I mean, not the, not the best dude, but had a lot of ducats. Okay, but I'm talking about Big Bill, the dad. I'm not talking John. No, I'm talking about William Rockefeller, man. I'm, I'm looking okay. at his right. marriage and children thing that the, he had going there, the scandal. Oh, scandal. If you look under scandal, there's some things that are probably too heavy for this segment. Probably a subpar human being. Yep. I just looked at his first Wikipedia under scandal. I have not gotten to that point in the book yet. So uh, we're going to just not leave good, that but one you alone. Can, you can access it on Wikipedia, which is a great site that we should all support. Please donate to Wikipedia. I never do, but I will start today. All right. Um, yeah. Haven't gotten to that point yet, so I don't want to hear by, from anybody that I, I left out something because I, like I said, I'm I'm only two pages or two chapters in, and that yeah, first scandal, it's, it's, that it's, first scandal is a terrible act. So 
It's like it's like the Jeffrey Dahmer biography. It's like, well, he was an interesting kid. I mean, he he was he, he was a He's good always painter. Outdoors. He was always outdoors. And you're like, I don't know what happens on the, the next 200 pages, but that's what I got on Jeffrey Dahmer so far. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting so far. Uh, all right, man. Well, this was good. We'll be back next Monday. You can check out all of Chris's work. He's the baseball watcher. Oh, no, excuse me. Hockey watcher, Chris Long. Yeah. At Joel 1-9. Joel 9-1, excuse me. Um, I'm at Ryan A. Rosillo, and all of his work is on Chalk YouTube channel. Yeah, man. Yeah, lots of good content. Uh, show's called Greenlight. Well, I don't know if it's good content. You can tell me if it sucks or not. It's good. Uh, the, the disclaimer is that that if it sucks, you can turn it off. Uh, Tuesday and Fridays, I'm on. Check out the fishbowl as well. On the hockey topic, who who's the defending Stanley Cup champion? St. Louis Blues. Yeah. it's kind of how I wanted to end the pod. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Like when you FaceTime me and your dad's friend said... Bill Russell would suck today or something, or Wilt Chamber would suck. And yeah. Then it was <laughs> during the Stanley buddy. Cup final, and you were, like, all excited because the Blues, I think, were winning that game. And you are like, ah, hey, go Blues. And then I turned the FaceTime, and it's my brother wearing a Bruins hat and my dad in a Red Sox hat. And you were like, oh, you guys are kind of into this, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're into this hockey thing. Well, so am I. Uh, blues were due. Reigning champs. Till That's somebody great, beats man. them. That's I saw. Great. I did see a Boston tweet that said all your teams are in first place. I would like to point out that the Sox are in third until they prove otherwise. I know it's the off season, kind of an inaccurate tweet, um, and the Blues beat you. Okay, but they're the northernmost recent champ, World Series champ. Northernmost recent champ. Good, you did some digging there. <laughs> Let's end this. That was a that was a hard that was a hard stat to pull up. We'll talk to you next week. That'll do it for us. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review as much as you possibly can. And I'll be back. I think we got Jared Dudley coming up on this podcast this week. Talk some Lakers. Wow. On this podcast? On this podcast. Jared Dudley is a, is a funny dude from what I can tell. I look forward to speaking with him. All right. Sounds good. <laughs>